Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, and ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. We've got another Englishman in Paris coming up, and we're coming out a day later than usual, Johnny, so we'll keep the top 14 chat to a bit more of a minimum. But there's some big news in both the top 14 and international rugby, and close to your heart as well. We should chat Finn, yeah? Do we have to? The world wants to know your opinion, Johnny. Uh, I'm sad, mate, if that's the... Honestly, that's how I feel. You got three different hats, right? You've got Finn as a as a friend, as a former teammate. You've got yep. your Scottish hat on as a Scottish rugby fan, and then your top fourteen hat as well. I guess <laughs> all, all three of them sort of say the same thing. Um, look, we don't have many, if any, world class players, and when we do get them throughout time, we've needed them fit, involved, driving the team forward if we're going to win games. And it's that simple. And Finn's clearly of that world-class quality bracket on his day and has been involved in some of the best Scottish performances that I've seen. And added to that, the sprinkling of, or the reality that this is a personality clash. It's not a farm argument. I know that's what's been pushed in the press, but, and that's where my foundation of my disappointment comes in is that we're a small country who need to pull, pull together to get the best out of every resource we have. So to not have Finn in from a management or a human perspective is disheartening and disappointing, not a rugby perspective. And if you look at the pool of standoffs we have, do Scotland as a team have a better chance of winning with him as part of the squad with Adam Hastings, Blair Kinghorn and Ross Thompson or losing? And the rugby answer is 100% yes. We have a better chance of winning games, but he isn't there. And that's either because a relationship has broken down or they can't find the best way to get the rugby and the trust out of him or manage him in the best way, which I find hugely sad because he's a good bloke. He's a good character. He's one of the best tens that I've ever seen play for Scotland. And I love watching him play, whether that's top 14, whether that's been Glasgow previously, Scotland playing with him. So if you're a fan going to the game, like me personally, being a fan now, going to these games and watching or commentating, there's a spark when Finn plays. There's a point of difference. You get people out of their seats. There's an excitement. And if you're going to get people into the game, generally, you want excitement in our sport. He brings that. And I believe personally that we have a stronger chance of winning games with him as part of the squad, whether that's starting, coming off the bench, being part of it at least. Um, So I just find it disappointing. With our top 14 hat on, you mentioned there the reason Gregor Gev was form. Most people have obviously disputed that, but you watch a lot of top 14 and maybe he thinks that he can say that because people don't watch the top 14, but anyone who does will know that form is not an issue. Not at all, mate. And that is wherever he goes, whether it's up in Paris or it's away from home, like he performs consistently week in, week out at an extremely high level for Asim. And you can't underestimate how difficult that is to do as a four and 10 coming into a league that is very difficult and challenging and communication barriers and different ways of coaching, he has been terrific for Racing 92 over a number of years. So the fact that form has been thrown out is even more disappointing. And that's where it kind of just looks silly because we understand, you know, Ross Thompson's part of the squad. He's a good player. I've watched him for a couple of seasons for Glasgow now. Like good, capable, solid 10. Outstanding against La Rochelle last season. He was fantastic against them away from home as well. But he has played minimal rugby this season. So if you're throwing the form book at Finn and that's the reason that you're dropping him, it makes it look ridiculous when Ross Thompson's the third 10 that's chosen has played minimal rugby and he's in there. So 
look, it just doesn't look good in my view. Like you want your best players, you want to work together as a team, you want your national team to function at an extremely high level. And for whatever reason, on a human level, there's been a breakdown and, and Finn hasn't been invited to come to be part of the squad. And that, that's really disappointing. And given you think it's obviously a relationship issue, do you think he's played his last game for Scotland or at least his last game under Gregor oh, for mate. Scotland? Well, I hope not, mate. I think everyone that watches the game, whether you're an All Blacks fan, a French fan, when you watch Scotland and you watch Finn, and that, that even comes back to the players, like some of the best players that I played with in France that were All Blacks, Springboks, when Finn started to get his feet under the desk, so to speak, with Scotland, they would all message him like, who is this kid? They were all excited to see him play. They loved the way Scotland were playing when he was part of the squad. And he gave a real bounce to the team. And the honest answer is, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's some sort of reconciliation, whether it's relationship therapy. And it sounds absolutely ridiculous um, to say that. I don't know if it's an attempted rocket to try and get a reaction out of him before he comes back to the Six Nations. I don't know is the honest answer. But I think that um, like the spectacle and watching Scottish rugby and watching Scotland play at the minute or over the past five, six seasons, it has been better when Finn Russell has been playing at 10 and watching him play for Racing 92 week in, week out has been a joy in France. So it would be really, really final to say something like that. I really hope that's not the case. I would love to see him back involved, whether that's Six Nations, whether that's later in the autumn series. I don't think that's going to happen. But I genuinely, my like my rugby answer is that I think Scotland have a better chance of winning going forward Finn pulling the strings and playing 10 and being an example and setting standards and being terrific and doing what he does week in, week out with Racing, but with the national team. But that's not the way the management structure see it right now. Well, France don't have a game this weekend, whereas Scotland obviously do. But there's plenty of news coming out of France camp. A number of injuries, and not just injury, one suspension as well. Red awardee. I mean, kind of ironic that it was on Antoine Dupont as well as international skipper, but oof, a hell of a mistake. Uh, a big mistake, and he's going to miss his first Autumn Nation series. It was also quite humorous uh, in the post-match press conference. Antoine Dupont just saying, "Look, all I was looking for was an apology. Like you do, you just have to apologise." But that didn't even come. Um, but that's it. So Wardy misses his first involvement in, the, in an Autumn series. Weirdly, in that game, like the red card came in about the twelfth minute, but La Rochelle actually plugged away. They only lost twenty-six seventeen. So personal disappointment for Wardy. Greg Aldrich spoke at the end about how they plugged together, they pulled together and actually were quite proud of their performance, only shipping 26 points, playing against a team like Toulouse for 70 minutes with 14 men. But yeah, big disappointment for Wardy. So yeah, loads of changes. Injuries as well, not big injuries. Well, so to speak, not big injuries to key personnel, but JB Gros, Jean-Baptiste Gros, he absolutely smashed his arm to bits in his game for Toulon. He was evacuated from the pitch and sent off in an ambulance to hospital. So a really nasty one for him. Roman Burros as well, he's injured up at Bordeaux. So guys that are on the fringes that were maybe looking for their first chance, not going to be involved at all. But really interesting to see the guys that have been retained, the sort of core members that are likely to start that first test in a week's side, weeks to week's time. And Charles Olivon was skipper in Japan in the summer, but no surprise to see Antoine Dupont back as skipper, even though Olivon was obviously captain before. No, I don't think there's going to be much argument. Just announced player of the season again in the top 14 for last year. The world's undisputed best nine at the minute, freakish for Toulouse every single week. Olivon, to be fair to him, has been working his way back to form. He's been good at Toulon running their line out. He's been exceptional running over for tries as well, but there's just so much back row competition that you couldn't nail down a spot and say he's definitely going to start, I think, if you're being honest. Whereas Antoine Dupont, clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the pack at the minute, will start, is going to start, just needs to stay fit, touch wood, um, and quite rightly, um, top bloke and a, a great choice for captain to continue on. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss let's get our guest on now then and we can have a chat with an englishman in paris who's running one of the most exciting backlines in european rugby rory t joins us how you doing very well thank you thanks for having me how are you settling in first of all how's paris treating you yeah it's been it's been um a really interesting sort of four or five months good to be back in france first and foremost um mr food um so <laughs> trying, trying to trying to uh manage how much uh how much carbs are consumed but um yeah it's uh you know there's no there's no place uh like france for, for a nice baguette but no on a on a more serious note it's been fantastic to get back coaching here in france um the club have been very welcoming there's a great group um you know and there's a real appetite to um yeah to to achieve something this year i think it was a little bit of a disappointing year and everyone had a much deserved break and, and there's a real sort of um freshness around the around the staff, around the players to to make the most of this year. Yeah, good luck managing those kilos, mate. So it's coming back <laughs> on already. I'm stuffed. You don't have to do the same physical test as the players though, right? So it's fine. <laughs> a lot of pointing going on and and, and, and yeah, cheering them on more, more than doing it. Pinching. It's the pinch test. You get that wherever you go. Uh, mate, how did the move to Racing come about? Um, so I think when I, when I left Bordeaux, I was sort of in the mix with Prendy and a few others. Um, and they they went with, with Mike and we sort of stayed in touch just over the years and um, had some conversations with Yannick, and then when when they found out that Mike was going to move to to Munster, um, they gave me a call, and sort of um, it all happened really quickly. To be honest, we had a chat and shared um, some insights of what I thought and, and what they were looking for, and it, and it all happened sort of overnight, really. And did you get the bug quite early for France? You mentioned missing the food and wanting to come back over, but you played as a youngster at Limoges and Tarbes and Grenoble. Yeah. So having had that experience as a youngster. And the playing experience over here, did you always want to come back and coach in France? Was that always a big aim and a big pool? Yeah, well, when the board opportunity came up, I thought, you know what, to go and coach in a foreign language, although I do speak the language, I just thought it was, it was a really, really big, um, big challenge. It was an interesting test to go and experience what, what coaching would be like um, over in France. I had that time, uh, I had my time at Saracens, the England 20s, briefly with the, uh, with the senior England team. Uh, and things have moved quite quickly, and I thought, you know, you know what? Why, why not try and sort of really stretch myself and and go and work um, at Bordeaux and and experience a different aspect of life, um, you know, albeit as a coach. Um, and having had the experience as a player, I just thought it'd be great to sort of take myself out of the comfort zone. I hadn't um, been in the in the saddle for too long, and before you know, it, I was working with the England national team, and I wanted to get back into clubland, and you know, get into the the week to week, the day to day aspect of coaching and um yeah i just thought why not great experience in life down in the south bordeaux etc etc so yeah i've always i've always loved the league I, I love the fact that in france each ground has its own um sort of atmosphere it's um you know you go from cast you got where we play you know it's 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 a contrast you get to go and you know stay the night before and get out into the towns and go and go and have a coffee and it's just I just really I really really enjoy that aspect of it. I think there's um it's it's quite a holistic approach approach to the sort of coaching aspect with the 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 quality of life here, um, the cultural aspect, and you know what I believe is one of the most competitive leagues in world rugby at the moment. And was coaching always on the cards for you? Because I know you retired relatively early, but some players you can always see 
that route opening up. I know Johnny's spoken on here many times about the fact that he couldn't think of anything worse than becoming a coach, mainly because of the hours, I think, Johnny. Very, that's very not good true. Podcast. <laughs> exactly. That's not true. I said that I couldn't deal with being sacked after six months, having to move family and keep moving towns. As much as I love seeing these different towns, I wanted to find some sort of stability. So now if I can just sit in this cave and ask other people questions, that's my stability <laughs> as opposed to, but I would have loved it. I would have absolutely loved the coaching. Um, and I've got massive respect for now when you see all my mates that are coaching, the hours, the analysis, the prep, the communication, everything that goes into it, um, it is mental. And I wanted to ask you weird, like you touched a little bit there about previous experiences. One guy that still fascinates me is Eddie Jones. And you worked in his staff at a very young age. So experience with Eddie what was that like dictator not open did you get 4am texts like where did you fall with everyone else's experience was it more the same or different yeah I think we'll leave it I, I um I had the same experience of most um but you know um I'm incredibly grateful to Eddie for first and foremost giving me the opportunity to coach to coach England um you know it was a special moment um you know really proud to have to have done that um, and, you know, I, I did learn an incredible amount from, from him, you know, his, his ability to um, have all this knowledge and information and, and bring it all in to give a really short, sharp, pointy message with lots of meaning to the, to the group, I think is, is a huge, huge skill of his. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you do have to work hard. You do have to, um, you have to be on the board that, you know, there's certain elements of, um, you know, sort of family time that you might sacrifice, you know, in those environments. Um, and, you know, the the workload is is big, but, it, it, you know, it is worth it because I think it, you know, enriches your um, your knowledge of the game, leadership, um, high performance. So, yeah, my, my time with him was, uh, was well spent. And it's not just Eddie Jones. I mean, we've seen there are uh, some coaches leaving the France setup and maybe that's for entirely different reasons. But given your experience with Eddie, is it that, intensity under him that means there is such a sort of high turnover of assistance and is that the reason that you felt that a short stint was was good for your career but maybe not one for five years no no I, I just I felt you know I was I was working in in a in the role of skills coach um, and had the opportunity to go and run the attack at Bordeaux it was purely as much as that that I wanted to to have a little bit more responsibility, be a little bit more hands-on. My time spent with Eddie, you know, as a skills coach though, you know, it was fantastic. And I learned lots about being a skills coach and working in the staff. I just felt that, you know, I wanted to challenge myself and have a little bit more responsibility. Um, and Bordeaux, Bordeaux offered me that. So it was nothing more than that, really. Look, um, you know, you'll always hear stories about what it's like to work with Eddie, but on reflection, I think it's more positive than negative from, from my aspect. And on that role at Bordeaux, you weren't actually there that long when you were promoted again. Like you ended up on the top yeah, job. So, so how like you've obviously managed to you've got the knack down and you get promoted quickly wherever you go. So clearly talented and enjoying the roles and the challenges. So, how did you find that top job firstly with Bordeaux, leading a big old club like Bordeaux in the top fourteen? Yeah, look, being being completely open and honest, I did I didn't realize what what it what it was going to be like you know in France they say um the costume is too big sometimes for the manager and I think at a young age um looking back now um it was probably one step too far at 33 to manage a club of of, of that size wow. with, with that um you know that um there's a big influence from the outside of Bordeaux and I think maybe some of the some of the things that I put in place some of the mistakes that I made some of the the good intentions that perhaps were misunderstood didn't quite get the traction that I needed, you know, despite, <laughs> despite, um, you know, the backing of the president, I think a 33 year old Englishman in, in, in most French clubs um, with the rivalry between French and English, you're always, you're always going to be up, you know, up against it. I think I get called roast beef at least, um, at least two or three times a day, you know, and they'll always divert a, a little joke towards towards being English in some sort of way, shape, or form. But no, yeah, I, I got promoted. It was it was an interesting one. Um, you know, it was between me and Jeremy Davison. And you, you, when you leave, you think, oh, maybe I sh should have said no. But it's like you when you get offered that that job, you know, and you can put your own stamp on it. And I I perhaps came out of working with Eddie, and, and I thought maybe the way that he does things with the England national team is the way it needs to be done in a club. And, uh, you know, it potentially might have been too intense, too Anglo in a Latin-based environment. Um, 
so yeah but it's one of those opportunities that you don't say no and and you know despite the way it finished you know i'm grateful again for for the opportunity to have to have learned uh, and i don't think i'd be you know where i am now in terms of the way i feel i coach um how i've developed um my own sort of skills as 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 a coach and and how i see the game you know i think you know all those all those experiences um uh, you know are, are valuable and i look at it look back on it in a positive light versus a negative light having said that i think you know no matter how positive you are when you when you do when you do get the flick there are some dark moments and there are some dark days well, mate, obviously you're going to be ambitious, young, 33. Somebody offers you the Bordeaux job, the head job, you're not going to say no. So what's changed when you look back at your approach now and you said taking a cookie cutter, taking the Anglo-Saxon stamp and trying to bring that to Bordeaux, with that experience that you've seen that that not working at Bordeaux, now at Racing as an assistant, potentially as a head coach in the future, what type of blend would you use with the cultural differences that we have across this little piece of water that divides us and you end up being called a roast beef? It's weird. If you ended back up in England, you might take that cookie cutter and apply it back to a Saracens or a Gloucester or wherever you're going to go. But over here, how is your approach tweaked? What differences do you bring in? What's nuanced to the way that you coach? What, what I'm going to say now is basically is purely based on my, my experiences and my opinion. I think that you know in France, things emerge a lot more than being, being planned um like they work less in longer cycles um and they live there's more of a day-to-day feel to things where i think in anglo environments from from my experience um you know there's lots of periodization there's lots of planning there's cycles there's there's roles and responsibilities i think there's more of a, a cross-pollination of everyone sort of um everyone has a has a say and everyone sort of chips in across across the across the board and i think if you're a foreigner coming into england um uh, sorry an englishman coming into france like the 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 local um knowledge of how the game's been played for years of the home and away aspect it, it's you know i i was at border convinced i could change that i think that will always be that's part of why french rugby is like it is it's it's the heritage it's the, it's their history you know and in that aspect i think they're quite archaic i think it's about embracing it and appreciating that the way they do it, it there are aspects of what they do that that does work really well you know so you've got you've got to be open minded when you come into it and really really try and find that sweet spot and, and by no means is it easy because some of the the formation that we go uh, sorry like the apprenticeship of a coach in england will be slightly different to the way it's done the way it's done here um so maybe some of your knowledge around coaching science or coaching methodology might be different to the way it's implemented in france and i think it's just about having developing techniques and understanding how you can how you can influence in a positive way and knowing what you can control and what you can't control um again i think my answer reflects that it's quite loose it's not you know it's not black it's not white there's there's that gray area and i think that's how why they are the way they are and why why i love working with them is because there is that sort of um element of the unknown and you know one day they can emotionally get to a level that you that no other team can get to physically and that's the beauty of french rugby and on that note one of the bits that i enjoyed best and it kind of taps into what you're saying here is the methodology of technical, you know, team strategy, templates of playing and sort of organizational is one part. But the bit that I love the most about working in a second language in France with Fijians, Georgians, Argentinians, Frenchmen was it was the psychology. It was the emotional management and managing people that I felt was way more important and almost way like I think if you took the technical aspect, how teams play generally the same, but that home and away defending your hometown taking an absolute kick and going away from home, harnessing that energy, making that a positive come Monday, Tuesday with a review when everyone's down, bringing them back up. All these types of people issues yeah. is the sort of beautiful part of French rugby that I've loved from the get-go. Yeah, I completely agree. I almost feel like sometimes there's there's like that, you know, you know, if you do lose a way, you know there's going to be a reaction. Um, and then again, from a coaching aspect is, how do you manage that? Because I think sometimes potentially in England, you lose a game and there and there might be some real sort of glaring work rate errors or someone really goes off the strategy or the game plan etc um whereas here you 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 know deep down that there's going to be a reaction and it's trying to sort of then manage that do you then 
you know, when you know they're down, do you you give them give them a bit more of a hard time, or do you try to um, be on their level and and have that sort of like it's almost like you don't talk about it, but you know there's going to be a reaction this weekend, and and the week sometimes is super long because you're so you're so excited to get to. The, the next Saturday, it almost seems like the week goes a little bit longer because you know there's that then there's that energy that spurs. It's, I guess you know we could sit here for hours and try to explain it. I think, it, as you know, when, once you've lived it, it's it's something that's it's very unique. It's special. The je ne sais quoi. Exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned some of the negative reaction to you from your own fans at Bordeaux, whether that be as an Englishman or because of some of the ideas that you were trying to implement. Is it true that that went as far as your car being vandalised, and you had some other issues there as well? Yeah, you know there was there there, there was a lot of other, there was a lot of things that happened. <laughs> one one of the more the more the more funny stories was um, it was at the time of Brexit, and someone had graffitied onto the onto the the, the um, uh, onto the the training the training ground door teagues it. Um, so there we go. <laughs> that's good value to be fair oh, Bravo. Yeah, you, you, can, you know if that happened to someone else I think that was I think that would be that's good that's good chat that's good banter but yeah you know look, there, there was highs and lows of, of my time there but again you know when when I look back and I was back there the other week and everything you know was good so hello to everyone um, and you know unfortunately we, we didn't come away with the result that we were anticipating look I'm, I'm happy to see that Christoph's gone in there and done a good job Joe um, took over from me and and sort of held the fort for the for the rest of the year and you know he did a good job he's gained some experience from from Joe Worsley coaching um, when I when I left you know and you, you can you can either look at it that every Saturday you look at their result and you want them to to not win but you know there's the, <clears throat> I think you can you create some relationships you 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 work with some players and some stronger relationships than others. Um, but you know, like someone like Matthew Jalibert, I stay in contact with. You know, I'm happy to see, you know, his progression. Um, lucky to be working with Cameron again back here, back here at racing. It's just, you know, you hold on to some of those relationships and some of those, um, you know, sort of seeds you planted, um, you know, the, those years ago, and see them come to fruition. So you can only sort of look at it in a positive light. Um, yeah, but I don't think my uh, the car insurance company were that happy back in the <laughs> And we talk quite a lot on here about off-field stuff, about presidents, about the sort of politics of, of French rugby, just briefly, because I'm sure you could talk for hours about that, but just give us an insight into what it was like. Because obviously, generally being an assistant, you can leave that to someone else. But when you did have the top job for that brief period, how difficult was it dealing with all that off-field stuff? Yeah, I think you, you know, you 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 don't have a job description. Um, I remember the 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 game before before I had the um, had the dreaded meeting with the president, um, we lost. Um, we got pumped by two lose down in Toulouse, and you know the the dressing room had, had gone, and you know they were they were they were sick of all the, of everything. They literally just left the kit on on the floor, and I remember it vividly. I was there with like the old the old boy, like there's lots of volunteers there, and we were just packing the kit away, and I was just thinking, you know, is th- is this really what you know being a head coach is like? Um, you know, so so on that note, yeah, you can be doing one minute, you can be planning a session, delivering a session, doing player reviews, telling the player he's playing, he's not playing. Then you meet an agent in the evening with the president. Then there's a sponsors function. Then there's a president will just call you in the middle of um, in the middle of a meeting. Um, so you, yeah, you are you are stretched. Um, and I think now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the some clubs in France, you know, have like CEO type roles, and you have more of a um, like a, a sports director. I know Yannick yeah. Nang last year was like a sports director, you know. So I think those, you know, roles and responsibilities and running the rugby side of things more like a business and an organization whereby, you know, there's there's roles and responsibilities and there's um, you know, there's a feedback loop and there's more meetings and stuff that I think that that has obviously developed in 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 four years um since I was last here. But when when Lauren Traverse phone rings in the middle of like a planning meeting and you know it's either another director or it's the president, you know, I get that feeling thinking, oh, thank goodness that's not <laughs> <laughs> which leads me nicely into the I was gonna say, would you aim for top job once again? Are you now happier being an assistant with less pressure? Or if you could find the right club with a top role, with a dude, you know, like Lan Yang, a nice sporting director you could work with and some of that pressure's taken off. Would you want to get back in that hot seat again in France and take on a top fourteen club as the top dog? No, I think I never say never. Um, you know, 
you know ambitious to you know to one day maybe maybe do that um having been what i've been through you know i don't think about it at this moment in time and there's no rush you, you never know you know when it's going to come sometimes you know things fall in your favor and sometimes they don't but yeah i would i would love to sort of get back to at some stage you know in, in five or six six years time maybe you know having more responsibility of the game plan and, and trying to create like a, a dna of a team and a blueprint of a team for sure um but at the moment uh, you know I, i'm i'm really enjoying coaching the backs um first and foremost you know sharing ideas on the attack working working on the attack trying to you know harness um and anchor some of the things that have been put in place previously for sure there there's some things that we've tweaked and some some ideas that the players have brought to the table uh that that we're trying to implement um so hopefully over the next couple of months that gets that gets some traction um you know and, and obviously offering my support of knowing the sort of processes that Lauren Travers going through and you know in selection and and how you deal things i think having been in that role you sort of can anticipate and see things unfolding um which, which hopefully um you know it shows you know that i can support uh, and help in in a positive way you touched on it before there when the bordeaux top job sort of becomes available and you're there you, you can't really turn it down you're going to take that chance and i know you were at gloucester when Johan ackerman and David Humphreys left and there were rumours around that time that maybe you would step up. So I just wonder if you kind of, I don't know how close that was to coming to fruition, but I wonder if you look at the various clubs that you've been at and sort of wonder what if, I guess, if a, an opportunity arose at an English club and maybe you didn't have that language and cultural barrier, maybe things would work out differently in the top job. Yeah, I think you've got, you've got to stay positive, haven't you? And, and hope, you know, hope for the best. Um, but I think, the the decision uh, at Gloucester to go with George, I think, was the right one. I think it was what 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 they needed. Um, it's great to see, you know, how well uh, he's done, uh, how much he's grown as a, as a young head coach. Um, you know, I know it's not easy. Um, the players have really really got behind him, and I think that that's all you that's all you ask for really is that you come in, you you implement change, you sort of put your marker down and and the boys buy into it. And I think sometimes it's how it, how it falls because if if there's a group of players that are unhappy with the head coach and they want him out, for example, which let's be honest, that that does happen in, in, in rugby, you know, they've got to then step up to the marks if they want change. And I think, you know, you know, somewhat someone like Gloucester, there there was, you know, a, an aspect of trying to bring back that Gloucester DNA, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they've done it, they've done it incredibly well. And I think that's been a joint effort of, um, you know, Lance coming in, a new direction, Alex Brand stepping up and really tearing that that sort of management structure, developing that core group of leaders and, and the boys getting behind behind the change, albeit it was a tough, tough spell in COVID. But yeah, who, who, know, who knows what the future holds? Um, uh, ultimately, I'm, you know, incredibly um, grateful for the opportunity to be back coaching um, at racing uh, in France at racing um, it's a great club We've got great 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 home ground and yeah hopefully we can continue playing playing some some fantastic rugby again maybe maybe looking back one of the mistakes back in back in Bordeaux was that I probably wanted to change too much too quickly and you know it's been really refreshing to to sort of come in and just sort of slip into what was what they were doing before as opposed to saying right this is what we need to do and um you know i think you, you sort of take stock and, and think about how you've developed it as a person as a coach and, and doing that is it's been it's been rewarding and when you talk about some of the gradual changes and some of the things that have almost been enforced on clubs um like i know for instance you were working at harrow school with mara toji and the youth set up in england but Typically in France, it's been, you know, what stars can we buy in? Who's ready-made? Who's got the experience? Super rugby. Now, there's so much more emphasis placed on youth um, and the development of the youth section. You can see Joro Kokoko, Yannick Nyanga. These guys are working with the youth side at Racing. And some of the young kids that have come through recently, the past two, three seasons, have been phenomenal. So I wanted to ask you, who should be looking out for next coming out of Racing? Because we've seen the youth team killing it as well. Are there a couple of more talented next-generation kids that are about to pop their heads up in the next few rounds? Um, I, I guess I, I don't want to, to sort of throw throw some names out that that I don't really know enough enough about. When I have I've taken taken my time getting back into it and not sort of um, got into the recruitment side of things um, as of yet. I think like obviously the the obvious 
players at our club like your, your Nolan Legarek and uh, and Max Spring, Enzo Begimagal, who 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 scored the try for us, Dan and Bayan. I think you know he'll be a great player in the future. Um, but no, I haven't really. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know um, enough about the sort of tier under underneath sort of like that, you know, that that group of like Nolan and, and Max, to be honest. So, so Max is a good example. So for people that maybe are, you know, casual rugby watchers, but don't maybe watch too much of the top 14, they won't know too much about Max Spring. They'll see him pick up a couple of test caps in the summer. Like I know his dad, Sean, like his dad, his dad, Sean lives in the Basque country. Like he played for Bayonne as a young kid, came through the club. His brothers are still there, but can you give people a bit more like what Max is like a young, really excited X, X factor player, but as a personality, as a bloke, cause he's bilingual as well. What's Max like as a young bloke? Yeah, Max, Max actually, you have to be careful because he doesn't speak a lot of English, but he's, he understands everything. Um, but you know, he, um, he's hugely, he's, he's hugely um, competitive. Him and Nolan were, were, you know, they all sort of go toe to toe at table tennis during lunch hours. And um, you know, he loves getting out and playing other sports um, really good character. Sometimes probably a little bit too harsh on himself. Um, I think he had that, um, you know, those those couple of tests in in the summer, and then you know he's come back into into clubland. And uh, as you guys know, sometimes that second season syndrome kicks in, and you know that that first year you 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 come onto the scene, and you know he, he had a really really positive game last week, so I'm happy for him with that. But you know he he is. Um, He's, he's a larger than life character, you know, in a really good in a really good way. And I was I was just working on some stuff. We're going to get him to present tomorrow. So you know, he that that next generation in France, which typically maybe when you when you were playing here, that that didn't happen. Where you know the coach spoke, you listened, you went out, you trained, you went home, you turned up the next day. Like they're they're really enthusiastic here. Like Finn and the young guys get in front of the computers and. And Max is going to present tomorrow on some stuff for Breve. So, yeah, we're just trying to, you know, step by step implement some of the things that, you know, aren't typically, you know, cultural here. Uh, but Max is very, Max is very open minded. Um, yeah. And yeah, he gets out and about and he's very sporty and stuff. But uh, yeah, there, there's some just generally some fantastic kids coming through like that next generation. Although I don't know too many sort of to name. I think that they're they're a lot more diligent. They're working with um, psychologists, and they're more interested in their nutrition. And they're not just they're not just doing it the way it's been done for years. I think they're really trying to sort of tr- change the change the way of doing things, and that sort of ties in with the GIF rule. And um, you know, there's three professional leagues now in France. You know, rugby is is huge, and it's a really big buzz around. I think it's, it's promising for for you know for the younger generation coming through. You mentioned him there. And someone you definitely will know very well. We've got to ask you about Finn Russell. As an attack coach, we obviously know the ways he's portrayed in the media, which are maybe unfair. Johnny knows him very well, obviously. From an attack coach point of view, is he kind of perfect to work with because he's got almost all the tools that you need the leader of your attack to have? Uh, I think f- for me, more so his his off-field application to um, his analysis, his diligence, you know, he'll he'll come in, knock on the coach's door, he'll be in there, he'll be asking questions, he'll be suggesting things. I don't know what's said and I don't know what people think. I can only speak from the way he's been with me. We met in the summer just after I'd signed, before the season started. We had a coffee. Yeah, we talked about some of the things that he personally wanted to um, wanted to do. I think some of them were were obvious. And, you know, the way, the way he's... Um, Told the coaches what he wants to do this year and what he's done is fantastic. You know, I think he's been he's been incredibly consistent for for racing, albeit we've not seen the sort of the flair that that Finn has showed in previous years. That also does tie in with with a little bit of the way that we want to play this year, which is agreed by by players and staff. Um, and you know, he's been at the core of everything that we've done. You know, and uh, you know, I, I'm happy for him because yeah, you know, maybe he has come under a little bit of a little bit of flack, but internally and we do focus on on what we're doing and we don't get too too dragged into what to what's said i i can't speak highly enough of him and then on the field you know he's he's always going to do two or three things that might not come off but i think for the two or three things that might not come off you're going to get seven or eight positive really influential moments from finn and if and if you look at him he you know his communication the way he talks to the youngsters he's you know he manages he manages that latin french aspect well and he's also got a group of foreigners that rely on him for translating. Um, you know, he sits at the back amongst the foreigners, 
which is great because then I don't have to translate all the time. So he does a little bit <laughs> for me. But look, you know, yeah, you know, and it's not it's not a case of me trying to trying to talk him up. I, I generally mean that he's been fantastic for me personally coming into a new club. And I think he's done himself proud today and hopefully it continues. And also you'll be delighted that he's now not involved because you'll have him through the international window for Racing. So it's a positive for you guys. Yeah. But having having ha- having not been announced in the squad and you've been with him day to day, how has he taken that news? Like obviously, you talk about his analysis, the work he put. Has he just poured himself back into work and trying to get back into net result, play against Breathe? How is he taking it? His body language. How is he getting on? No, you you wouldn't you wouldn't really know. Um, uh, to you wouldn't know that he hasn't been picked. Um, you know, he turned up. We had a chat about it. We've had one conversation about it. Um, he he's at peace with it from from the, from from what I can understand. He's carried on training. He's played at the weekend. Um, I anticipate he'll be in the group this weekend against Brief. Um, you wouldn't know any different. I think he's, you know, he, he's really focused and he knows that um, by playing one at the club, other things will happen. So, yeah, you you wouldn't really know. Um, body language, yeah, he's always, you know, kicking the ball at someone or he's, you know, he's got a little, <laughs> he's got a little, he's got a little blank going, a little joke going on somewhere. But, yeah, he's, um, you know, his demeanour, his body language is, is um, etat d'esprit, as we say here. Hasn't yeah. changed one bit, so you know. I think you know. Again, he's doing himself really proud in, in the ways, the ways you know he's approached this season. Were you shocked, Rory? Because the world seemed quite surprised, and presumably as a coaching group, you were planning to be without him for the next few weeks. Yeah. Again, again oh, I, I I don't I don't really know um, what Gregor or the guys were thinking. I, I personally didn't have any contact. You know, there was no questions asked on 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 how he's attacking. Uh, you know, those those conversations I had at sort of head coach level. So there might have been some conversations with Lauren Lauren Traver. No, we, we've sort of just 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 got on with it really. And I think um we've not wanted to, you know, jump up, jump up and down because we've got him here because we, you know, because it's <laughs> he, he probably would have wanted um to have represented this country. But you know, he he's he's a key part of what we're what we're trying to put in place this year. So yeah, look who knows? You know, sometimes there's there's clashes of um, you know character and form, and there's all sorts of different things that could be the reason why he's not playing. Um, but yeah, we're we're just incredibly happy to have him have him here still. And um, yeah, he's um, yeah. Yesterday he left his his attack notes um, upstairs uh, by the computers for me, and I worked on those today. And and that, that's that's the way he is. He's you you can't you couldn't ask for anything more. Seriously. He's a good egg, and that's the we were talking about it before we, we came on. But that's the infuriating bit for me as a Scottish rugby fan is like I want to see I want to see him there. I want to see him play, and it's not been for me again. You talk about form; his form has been good. Like his form, the games that I've watched, the games that I've commented on or worked at, like I've loved watching Finn play the past five, six, seven rounds of the top fourteen. He's been in good form, and the disappointing bit from my side is that it is this personality clash or something we can't get past management group and a performance group so that we can get them on the field and all drive standards together and move forward and perform as a Scottish side. That's the disappointing bit from my perspective. And we'll just, we'll never find out because behind closed doors, we won't know what's actually been said or what wires are there, or why they can't work together. But yeah. it's just, it's fundamentally disappointing for everyone that wants to watch Scotland take on Australia, New Zealand in this Autumn Nation series, because in my mind anyway, you've got a better chance of winning with Finn on the field. And I think that's the sort of consensus, the general, the general view or the general rugby view is, and that's why it's disappointing. But in my mind, his form has been has been great with you guys. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's, he's goal kicking now. He's had a couple of games where he's hundred percent kicked a kicked a fifty meter uh, penalty against La Rochelle to, to to, albeit we probably should have, um, we probably we probably were in it to win down there, but you know, kicked a penalty um, in, in the dying minutes to to, to to bring a defensive bonus point home. Again, kick kick some hits another long range penalty at the weekend. Defensively, I think he's been fantastic this year. One of probably the best defensive tens in the league. So you know, if there was any ever a doubt around anything of that, um, I think to his disadvantage, he's just not had those sort of uh, mercurial moments that we have seen in, in the past. But you know, the, the the squad's changed. 
uh, connections, um, relationships have changed in in and around the players that that are working with him. He's now maybe taken on a slightly different role that you know when before there would have been a, a you know a Kurtley, a Zebo, you know in and around you know those more experienced players. We played the first three games with, with with some young players, so you know his role was slightly different, and he might not have been getting you know the communication he normally gets with with some experience outside of him and. With that in mind, I think he adapted really well, and, and he played he played some some good rugby. He kept the ball in front of the forwards, etc. And it, you know, other things will happen over the course of the season, as you know. It's a marathon. This league, it's um, it's tough week to week. So hopefully, um, he can keep he can keep developing and uh, and you know enjoying it. And he's playing with a smile on his face. And let's take it away from Finn because you guys are both saying he's a good ed. You're saying he's very diligent, very good. So this is not about Finn, but if you broaden it out as a coach, you mentioned there lots of stuff goes on behind closed doors that the wider public don't see. You must have had situations in the past where players haven't taken kindly to things that you've said, or there's been various clashes. But as a coach, how much is it incumbent on you to create an environment where someone that is super talented or or is obviously kind of one of the, as Johnny's saying, one of the best, I've made it about Finn again now without meaning to, but you know, one of the best <laughs> three in a position, just broadly speaking, is that your job as a coach to sort of create an environment that someone can work within or is it just certain personalities that just doesn't work? Yeah, I think there, there's there's so many different dynamics. You take the French the French environment, there's there's lots of players that have, have come here and they've been on form in Super Rugby or they've been on, you know, they've been playing really well with, I don't know, Wales or whoever, whoever England. And and sometimes just the dynamics and and the sort of, the, the it doesn't mix, it doesn't work. It doesn't mean to say that either one is wrong or, um, I think the most important thing is that if you know, you, you were trying to create an environment where each player could grow, you were not trying to close them off and take options away from them. Um, and with, again, with Finn, for example, I feel that, you know, with Finn, um, engaging with him, giving him some autonomy, um, he feels part of the process, that he creates motivation. Um, he, he feels that he's got, um, you know, some some say on the way we want to play. I think that's that's positive. But then there could be a, a younger, um, it could be a younger fly half who might need a little bit more guidance and he might need, you know, other experienced players outside of him, but still he's still calling the shots. So you still have to give him that that sort of freedom whilst um, maybe having a bit more of a handrail there for them to, to hold on to, um, you know, is key. Again, you know, there's lots of different ways of managing managing people and managing players, isn't there? But yeah, I think a lot of it is sort of that con- contextualization of, right, what's the situation? Where, where, where are we at as a club and, and what players do we need? And I think recruitment and, and environment is key. But yeah, it's, it's a million dollar question, I think, personally. <laughs> A good question. I want to segue really quickly away from Finn, but to one of those guys that was playing with Finn up until recently with Vermi Vakatawa and his forced retirement. And I wanted to ask you, again, that's one major piece that's been removed from the puzzle and a world-class talent, a world-class player. How is he getting on? Because I haven't seen him since. Like, where is he finding his feet? Is he taking a role in the backroom staff with Racing? Do you know what his next movements are going to be? Just because of phenomenal talent and a ph- phenomenal man as well. Yeah, it, it, hugely, um, hugely sad. It was a, a, a bit of a dark day um, when when that was announced. Obviously, he's a um, you know he's grown up and come through the ranks at, at Racing. I think him uh, and the club. Are, got a real strong affection for each other I think he they know he's done a lot for for them and I think you know he knows you know how much the club have, have done for him both on and off the field so um from what I understand um Jackie will continue um supporting him in whatever way possible and there you know there was there was some some conversations about him potentially going into coaching at what level and what aspect what capacity I don't know I think he's taking some time out now. He's he's having a bit of a holiday. But I guess the million dollar question is how long is a Fijian holiday? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we see him back at the club soon. The last conversation I had with him is we we talked around looking at some back three stuff and some counter-attack stuff and getting his ideas and, and doing some analysis. So yeah, hopefully, um hopefully he's he's back uh, he's back soon, but who knows. And obviously there's a long, long way to go in this season and hopefully a lot of success for you guys at Racing. But we already know that Stuart Lancaster is coming in next season. So have you spoken to him yet? And are you definitely going to be here at Racing next season? And 
is he someone that you'd love to work with? Absolutely. You know, I think, um, you know, Stuart's sort of pathway in coaching is, is one to admire. Um, post his time at England, I think he's, He's gone away and achieved some incredible stuff um, at Leinster, and is hugely respected in the game game globally. Yeah, it will be it'll be um, it'll be great for the club. I think that the club needs um, you know uh, a change in a positive way. I think what Lauren uh, Lauren Trevor has done over the over the ten years that he's been here has been fantastic. Um, and now they want they want to sort of freshen things up, and I think they've they've chosen the right man there in Stuart, and hopefully he can come in and and stamp his um, stamp his his, his print on, on the club in, in in within reading between the lines of Latin and 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 Anglo aspects, but um, no doubt Stuart will 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 come in speaking French, um, having done his homework, uh, and uh, we some of us have had some. Um, some, uh, some Zoom calls with him, so he's touched base. He's outlined, you know, what what things will look like next year, and then the, I think there'll be some there'll be some ongoing conversations of of, of the way things will go. It's just hugely respectful that we play each other in Europe this year, so um, <laughs> we can't give too 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 much away. But no, that I think there'll be more more conversations um, once we've sort of got those those that first group group of games out of the way. But yeah, it'll be um, it'll be great for. There'll be someone else they can call a roast beef when when he's here. So. <laughs> <laughs> the big roast beef. For ten years, I didn't real. I thought it was they. They called. I don't know if, if you know why they say roast beef. It's because we don't have any sun in England, and we're all pale, and we get a little bit of sun, and we go and we go slightly pink. For ten years, I thought it was because we beef on Sunday as a roast. I thought that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when someone explained it to me the other day, I was like. Okay. Ah. <laughs> and mate, so somebody that obviously knows top 14 extremely well, but has worked extensively in the premiership. Again, looking back now, problems in the Prem, are there any lessons that the English top flight can learn from France? Or do you think it has to be a completely different model? Like, how do you think English rugby now moves forward? You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I remember being being at Bordeaux, and you know the the GIF the, the GIF rule of how many players you can have, you can't have. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, there's there's a lot of money in in in, in French rugby, but then like sometimes the the DNAGG, I think that's the 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 the, the financial controllers. Yeah, um, and you know, it's like, and you just got to give them credit to how how good how good of a job that they've done. You know, I think French rugby is economically very strong at the moment um despite covid I, I didn't probably appreciate you know how robust and how well organized um they were when i left the last time i think their relationship with the councils with the mary with 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 all that goes on and and involving employees in the process and and being very aligned with um sort of the public the council the mary as they say here as as paid dividends over the years um, you know, just thinking back to some of the, the the broken relationships that there are between planning and, and managing a stadium and stuff like those those type of things, I think are, are incredibly tough. Um, there, there is, I think, there might be reducing it next year. There might be some aspect around the salary cap here, but you know, I think they they manage things incredibly well. Um, and the GIF quota is, is, is definitely added to the strength of Pro Two, which has then had a, had a, an upward upward effect to the way the French team are playing. Look back in England, yeah, it's incredibly sad um, to see what's happened at Worcester and and Wasps. You know, hot, you know, thoughts go out to all all, all concerned. You know, we we've got Biello here. Um, he hasn't talked he hasn't talked about it too much, but you know, I'm sure um, I'm sure it's um, it's something that um, has an impact on players. You know, and staff psychologically. I think we've got to also think about that. Um, you know, you know, wondering where your next paycheck's coming from and. And stuff so um yeah it'll watch this space i think with with the way english rugby is going um i just hope that it continues to to sort of learn from its mistakes well it's great to see you thriving in the french game anyway rory and thanks ever so much for sharing all your thoughts with us on about as varied as topics as you can get really there so yeah, my pleasure thank you very much and good luck for the rest of the season and next season as well when stuart goes over there thanks very much cheers guys thanks for your time thanks a lot mate cheers rory bye 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 very interesting, Johnny, especially what he was saying about Finn Russell, given that is what everyone's talking about this week. Yeah, so generally, super insightful, intelligent, articulate, like, and, and when you talk about him with other people, like really, really well enjoyed and liked to coach. So like he spoke super well. The piece with Finn as well, 
what I like is speaking to somebody who works closely with him day in, day out, week in, week out. And he is that positive influence, the driver, the go-between for the foreigners and the Frenchies, the guy that's driving all the young kids, the guys that's coming up with plays, his notes for attack. Like he is a positive influence. So like you just want that to be pushed over and to have the influence on the Scottish side. Um, and I think that his experience with Finn week in, week out shows that he is a positive influence on a changing room and that he is a terrific player and he has been for the first seven, eight rounds of this game. And that's why we're not really understanding the choice that we made by the Scottish camp, but c'est la vie. And very interesting as well, given the question about the environment and, and your sort of job as a coach. And Rory was very much saying that Finn is the kind of character that wants to be given a bit of autonomy and a bit of rope to, to, to do it his way. And he, he wants his fingerprints almost all over it. But I don't think our game now... And I think that's maybe why people find Eddie Jones hard work is that it's a dictatorship. It has to be collaborative. You have to be bought in. You have to be part of the process. It has to be interactive. And, and maybe that's where the problems come in. I don't know. Like I don't know the ins and outs of the Scottish camp and what's gone wrong, but you can see that process works for Racing 92. It works with Rory, with Finn. And that's what I think everyone is desperate to see with the Scottish camp. Um, but the positivity is there. He performs week in, week out. That's all he can be asked to do. And for the personality pieces, the communication pieces, they have to work that out themselves. Get it ironed out and be able to be part of the same team because it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. Right, we mentioned earlier on, coming out a day later than usual, we're not going to look back too much on last weekend's top four team for obvious reasons, but let's find out what the absolute pick of the week in French rugby was, Johnny, and find out what your meter moment <laughs> of the week is. You're going to laugh at me, but genuinely... This was before all of this hullabaloo and the hurrah came out, but it was, oh, Finn, Finn, Russell. It? Oh, it was okay. Finn, which is <laughs> ridiculous. And again, we've talked about him all episode. It's too much, but look, 38-31 win against Montpellier. He was central to everything that was positive. He knocked over 18 points with the boot. He set up three tries on the gain line, on the front foot, testing defences, uh, delayed passes for Francis Saili, an offload five metres out for Baptiste Chuzenu. The third try pins a 35-metre pass for... Um, uh, one him off so mate he was excellent uh, at the weekend and, and that's why the form chat and the reason given by Gregor is even more ridiculous so ironically for whatever another word the meter moment of the week last weekend was Finn Russell's performance as they beat Montpellier there we go that was Johnny's meter moment of the week and meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless bluetooth meat probe you can use it on a barbecue in the oven or in a pan and you can get your hands on one at meter.com plus you can get 20 percent off any full price item all you have to do is enter the code frenchpod20 at checkout that's frenchpod20 and you'll get 20 percent off any full price item at meter.com and they work on your roast beefs for Rory, there you go. Let's have just a very quick look ahead to this weekend's games then. And without dwelling on the point again, before we come on to the top 14, there is an international. It's Scotland without Finn against Australia. What do you reckon, Johnny? It's not about Finn. Let's stop talking. <laughs> it's about you and I meeting up in Edinburgh and having a couple of beers after oh, yes. the game and having a couple of nights away from our missus and our children. That is the bit I care about. I couldn't give a shit about Finn. There it is. I've said it. Mine doesn't listen, so you can say what you want. <laughs> My missus told me she listened to an episode last. You go, what are you doing? You've got way too much time on your hands. I just missed your voice. Sad. Um, no, mm. mate. So I am coming to Edinburgh this weekend. I am bringing over Henry Spate and Joe Tamani mm. um, to do some hospitality. I'll also be doing the commentary during the game. And so, mate, looking forward to a Friday night, Saturday night in Edinburgh with you. I will see you there, Tim. I'll be looking Absolutely. forward to a beer with everybody. And then Sunday off to Paris to do the Bordeaux Toulon game on Sunday night. So a busy weekend, three nights away from the home. Yes, I'm going to sleep well. I'm not going to miss my children. And I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to it. And on the pitch, are you confident as oh, a yeah. Yeah, that. Um, well, do you know what, mate? Like, see, playing against Australia, in my day, this makes it sound really old, but it was, you know, Matt Gittel, Mortlock, Palu. I think it's kind of the, the sort of, I don't know, Australian rugby isn't what it was. Scotland have lot, they've won the last three against them. This weekend, if they win, it can be the first time they've ever gone four wins back-to-back against Australia. And even though Finn isn't there, I think they've got enough strength and confidence to turn them over. It's the first game as well, which always helps to catch Australia travelling in the freezing cold of Murrayfield, it is going to be absolutely Baltic this weekend. So no, I, I think Scotland have got enough, even without Finn, to knock them over. If Finn was there, would it be more straightforward potentially? But I think Scotland have still just got enough in the tank to beat Australia this weekend. Yep. And on the top 14, you mentioned you're a busy boy. You're off to do Bordeaux-Toulon on the Sunday. 
Yeah, and that'll be a good one as well. Um, a few players released back to Toulon to get some more match sharpness before they get more involvement with the French national side. The same for Bordeaux, actually, who haven't lost too many players at all. Bordeaux, still probably for them, the wrong end of the table. Um, another big, important game at home. But that being said, like, Toulon are coming back to form as well. They've looked really exciting to watch the past two, three weekends that I've watched them. So a big game, but Bordeaux at home. We've just mentioned, or Roy spoke about the influence that that environment has, the crowd. It's a hard place to go. Um, and I think Bordeaux would just be too strong for Toulon. And we'll speak more about the top 14 next week, but just briefly, a big one for Montpellier back at home, Huge. but having had some really bad results recently. Really bad results, but also Stade Francais, another side that haven't really been flying in terms of their performances, but find themselves actually bizarrely quite high up the table. But I think Montpellier, after a couple of big losses, they'll pull it around. Again, they played in fits and starts really well in Paris against Finn's racing side at the weekend, um, got close to second half comeback. And I think, again, them going back, we're going back to the top 14 and, and away victories. Are they ever going to win away from home? Potentially not, never. But Montpellier going back home this weekend, I think they were too strong for Stade Francais as well, who have struggled massively on the road. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Rory Teague for joining us as well. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Bass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. See you on Friday, Tim. Ooh, and Saturday. And Sunday. Bottomless brunch on Sunday. Get the beers in. Cheers, mate. Bye.